Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 435 with Christine Lilly and Dr. John Gillis. Christine and John are pros when it comes to teamwork, team building. They have learned a thing or two from their respective contexts. You'll learn one, the 13 tactics that make a powerhouse team. Two, the most common mistakes that teams make. And three, how to build trust in a team. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep435. And while you're there, I hope you check out some cool stuff such as every episode tagged by the topic and competencies covered which is in the drop-down menu of the navigation bar where it says podcast over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's their stories. Christine Milley is an expert on effective teamwork. She consults with organizations and providing lessons gleaned from her remarkable career as a professional athlete. Lily played midfielder for the United States women's national soccer team for over 23 years. This included five World Cups and three Olympic Games. She was inducted into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame in 2012 and the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame in 2014. Before that, she won four national championships at the University of North Carolina. Christine lives outside Boston with her husband, David Heavey, a Brooklyn firefighter. They team together to raise two amazing daughters, Sydney and Jordan. And Dr. John Gillis Jr. facilitates executive leadership development using a dynamic business simulation for Leadership X. As a management consultant, he's worked for IBM, Accenture, Center for Creative Leadership, and the Conference Board. He did his doctoral work at the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education and Wharton Business School. He lives in Austin, Texas with his wife, Lynette, and their four children, Jack, Ryland, Carolyn, and Mary Claire. Here are Christine and John. Christine and John, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. I'm excited too. Yeah. So tell me, how'd you two meet? Well, um, we met, um, I had just, we just moved to Austin, Texas, uh, with our, our, our kids, my husband and I, and, uh, we met through our daughters. So our daughters met on the playground, um, of kindergarten on the monkey bars. And then we got, we got asked to join, um, their soccer team. And then I told John that I would help coach and uh, I don't think he realized that I used to play soccer. So, <laughs> Pete, you can imagine the humor there. <laughs> yes, Christine Lilly's daughter to be on the soccer team that I coached, which is pretty humorous in hindsight. Oh yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Um, so uh, we hit it. We hit it off um, on the field, and then our families became close, and uh, our our daughters uh, are good friends with their kids, and. The game of soccer brought us together, and then it's uh, it's been a, a great uh, friendship we've had so far. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, so I'm dying to dig into some of the wisdom of your book, Powerhouse, and uh, you got a real nice endorsement there. Tom Brady says that uh, you're going to reveal to me why the United States women's national soccer team consistently wins. So first, for those who are not as familiar, can you orient us to just how consistently was this team winning when you were around with it? Right. And how'd you do it? How'd we do it? Um, well, first off, I was, uh, I was a member of the USC for 23 years and about 17 of those years, we played with this group of core of people of women on the team from Julie Fowdy to Mia Hamm to Brady Chastain. And with that core of women for the span of, if you look at 1991 was our first world cup, um, till 2004, which, um, 
some of the Mia and Julie and Brandy retired. For those eight, eight to ten years, we uh we won two World Cups, two gold medals, came in third twice, and won one silver. There you go. <laughs> so not to say we won every tournament, but if you look at and if you go further on, I mean, the worst place we've gotten in any competition with the U.S. Women's National Team was getting out in the quarterfinals of the, I believe it was the, what, Olympics, 96, 2012, uh, 16. They came and they got lost in the quarterfinals. Every other big event with the U.S. Women's National Team participated in either got first, second, or third. So. Yeah. We won. We won a lot and uh, we worked hard um, to be successful and um, really amazing group of women that I played with during my time. And obviously now the team continues to win, which hopefully is due to a good foundation that um, was set early on with the national team. Mm-hmm. Well, that is awesome. So that is quite the track record. And so I want to hear how you did it. And <laughs> I understand much of this is packaged in the book Powerhouse. So Maybe you could orient us to sort of what's the big idea in the book? Well, basically, you know, when John and I talked about it, I would share the stories about the team and he he couldn't. I mean, I think John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he had an idea of the USC, but I don't think he really knew the history of what we accomplished. And then I finally shared a movie with him called Dare to Dream that was on HBO. And I said, just watch this. And then he got history of the team and then he was really impressed with the team. And then we talked a lot about business and how a team business need to come together and worked as a team like these sports teams uh, to be successful. And he's like, you got such a great story here. Why don't we share it? Um, so that's where we are with how we got this book going and, and sharing all these great stories of the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, why paralleling it to business tactics as well. Uh-huh. And Pete, if I could just add on, you know, as a spectator and a fan of the team, I got to watch you know, when they are winning the gold medals in the World Cup championships. But then, you know, when Christine and our families became friends and she'd tell some of the stories behind the scenes and all the effort, the practice before the performance and what they did to prepare themselves and said that the team would be successful. And those are the stories that I think are so relevant that Powerhouse shares some insight into those stories. Not that you're just seeing the team win, but what it takes to actually build that effective team so that they put themselves in position to win. And those stories that Christine was sharing uh, through the years that I've known her, that's what we really wanted to share and then say, how does that apply to business? Mm-hmm. That's good. And so you got 13 tactics in the book. Could you give us a quick overview of what are the 13 tactics? Right. Well, I think uh, if you're first wondering, why 13? And that was the jersey number I wore for the U.S. team. Mm-hmm. So we we're trying to keep that kind of personally cute um, and connected to my my career. And I mean, we have 13 tactics and it, we're not reinventing the wheel on um, teamwork or anything. We're just trying to emphasize if you put these tactics together that they can help you be successful. You know, and, and the first and what's really cool about this book, too, is, you know, we've broken them down um into groups of three. And obviously there's one underlying theme throughout this whole book, which is our last chapter called doing the right thing. And, um, so each, each group of three is it's under a different category or pillar. So we have transform, empower, achieve, and motivate. And we using the word team to create that, those words. And, you know, each, each, each pillar has different tactics. Like the first one we have selecting your team members, align the team's direction, score a goal, um, would be, you know, the transforming the team. And then obviously you get into empower. So we're 
setting the team foundation, leading the team, and then serving on international teams because obviously the game is global for soccer and obviously um, business and corporations um, are global as well. And then our next one is um, achieve and you have learn teamwork, communicate with the team and handle team conflicts. And then the last pillar, uh, motivate, you have chemistry, cultivating your team ethos and a winning mentality. And all, when I look at all these things, it's, it's really powerful when all those components come together and what a team can accomplish. And I think when we talked earlier about the success of the U.S. Women's National Team, all these components were on fire. All these components were working. There wasn't something lacking in any of them when we were successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference in a good team dynamic and one that's not as successful. And in business environments, you know, what would you say is something that is most frequently not working within that lineup? I'll jump in here and just highlight that you know, Christine mentioned we're not recreating the wheel, but at the same time, Pete, every business that I go to, and I've been doing management consulting my whole dec- my whole career for decades, and I go all over the globe looking and talking to companies, and time and time again, you see where there's dysfunctions within the company. Even though we recognize that teamwork and being effective in our teamwork will help provide a competitive advantage, each organization, if you go to an individual at a company and say, hey, tell me about teamwork at this company. Most people will tell you a story in the negative. They'll tell you what's going wrong, why there isn't effective teamwork. Even though the question is, tell me about teamwork at the company, most people just have a negative experience with it. And we've always known for years that teamwork can help a company succeed, both as far as the teams working effectively, but how that contributes to the bottom line and making profitability. But yet companies continue to struggle in that. And so through the 13 and really looking at assessing your company with some key questions at the end of every chapter, it's saying, let's self-identify and self-assess where our team is strong, but where we have opportunities to improve so that we're not one of those companies that's saying, uh, when someone asks you, tell me about teamwork, that we answer in the negative. We want people to be able to go through the 13 teamwork tactics and be able to answer in the positive and say, this is why our team is strong. Mm-hmm. And within those negative answers, what do you find most often? And you mentioned you got an assessment, you can, with the questions at the end of each chapter, so you can get to the particulars for your given organization. But what are the ones that you're seeing, you know, most commonly yeah, folks are falling down on? I'll go first and then I'll let Christine jump in here when in her experience. Um, but I find that each company is uh, unique and different. Um, but yet, if you have to highlight some of those, it really comes down to a breakdown in trust, a breakdown in role clarity, and a breakdown in accountability. And we see team loafers that are there pulling down the other team members because they their roles aren't clear. They don't have accountability for executing their work deliverable. And so the overall trust among team members breaks down because of that role clarity and the accountability. Christine? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not ironic, but I think it's similar on the, on the sports side of it as well. You know, trust is a huge thing and knowing what your role is um, and accepting it and diving into it. Because um, a lot of times you may have a position on the field or in the office that you don't agree with, but if you want to have your job, and you want to help your group or your organization be successful, you got to hunker down and, and do your job that it is. 
and accepted it and go with it. So I think John was spot on with the um, business side of it as long and uh, same similar with the team side. Trust is a huge component um, for team members on, on our team. And we had that uh, throughout. Um, and I think, I think the other one would, I would add in there would be communication. Usually when I look at a game that we've played and we haven't been successful or we're not, you know, we're not being cohesive, we're not finding the rhythm together, um, the field's really quiet. And so when we start talking and we're communicating a little bit better, it changes the, the flow of the game. So I think communication is a big part of it as well. That's an interesting correlation that you've noticed in mm-hmm. terms of actual experience that when things aren't going well, it's quiet. Yes. <laughs> and when things are going better, it's not quiet, you know, yeah. with regard to speaking up. And I can certainly see times where that happens. And John, I was intrigued by the interrelationship that you put out there in terms of when there's a a lack of role clarity and or accountability, you got some loafers, you know, folks who aren't doing much. And then trust is eroded in terms of, I guess, the other folks are taking a look at the loafers like, what the heck? This isn't fair. (laughs) It's just it's a real knot of unpleasantness. So tell me, what are some of your top tips to facilitate some additional role clarity and accountability and trust. That would be, you, you nailed it on the head. And I, I think most people that are listening to this podcast would say, you know, be nodding their head and saying, oh yes, I remember at this company or the company I'm at now or the company I was at a decade ago. I remember that team loafer and how it really did uh, erode the trust. And so one of the things that we tried to highlight in Powerhouse, it's not just here's the areas where teams might have issues, but how do we go about building trust? And so when you get to that section of the book, it's looking at those steps as far as the benevolence, the openness, the honesty that's going to help create trust. And as you know, we talked about ahead of time, most of this book, if not all of it, it's all evidence based. And so we researched trust, we researched accountability, we researched roles. And so that we wanted to give people not only here's issues that might come up, but here's some research backed approaches that you can use if your team is having a trust issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to hear, you know, what are some of the most impactful practices or, or activities, things to do when you find yourself in those shoes? With our sports team, one of the biggest changes in our, um, our, our team was when we got, when we hired a, um, a skills coach. So we had Dr. Colleen Hacker join our team and she changed, um, changed our group in a, in a sense where we found everything we needed within each other, but it was really finding that path to connect with everybody and accept everyone for who they are um, and know that everyone had a role. And I think that really was a, a change for us. And we would practice different things, whether it was team building exercises where we didn't, you had to do the, you know, the typical fall back and your teammates have got to catch you. And every time you do that, you're still wondering, are they going to catch you? <laughs> um mm-hmm. But you build that trust and you see that. And uh, that was a big change in our team and um, bringing out the trust of the group and really helping us connect. That's interesting. So, Christine, you're saying that you did on numerous occasions these trustful exercises and that was genuinely helpful. It was. It, it totally was because you still, I mean, you still wonder if someone's going to catch you. You know, you uh-huh. got to trust in that. And uh, they were there always and sometimes a little after or maybe they caught you a little late, but they still caught you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there'll be different, there were different exercises that help build that or different ways that someone could step up and lead and different activities we did that maybe they were quiet, quieter on the field. But then we came to this 
tactical game and they started to step it up. So that gave them the confidence being like, oh, I, I do have a voice and people will listen. Mm-hmm. And Pete, I think it's really critical here that Christine gave a great example in finding the right team building activities for your audience. Not uh, a trust fall might be perfect for your audience or it might not be the right activity. And so we, in the book, we talk about, you know, business simulations and we talked about coaching and we walk through several activities that you can do for team building because you have to find the right one for your audience. And the one other story that Christine shared in, in the book that I think was critical is that different activities are going to allow different players or different team members an opportunity to shine. And so you're giving different platforms for people to step up and take leadership roles. And Christine had talked about, you know, specific activities where a team member that might have been quiet in one activity was able to shine in another. And so it real really allows that trust building to come through different environments and scenarios. Mm-hmm. Understood. Okay, well, so we talked a little bit about some of the problems and interventions. You know, I'd also like to get your take when it comes to the thing that makes the biggest difference in terms of, boy, with this, you see a whole lot of power in terms of teamwork and performance gig enhanced. I'd be curious to get each of your takes on, is there one of the tactics that is perhaps the most impactful? Well, I think, you know, when you look at building a team and becoming a powerhouse, I think if you don't have all these, you're not going to be as strong. But I do think if I look at um, one area that really helped us, and I would say this is from 91 to, to 99 when we won two two World Cups and the first gold medal um, in the Olympics and then came in third in one game, our leadership was unbelievable. So when I look at um, a component of a team is you have to have good leadership from your top, you know, coaches down to the bottom. And, um, um, that's really important, um, to have that going, um, for you. And Carla Overbeck was one of our captains and the leadership that she provided along with Julie Foddy was, was incredible. And the one thing in the book that she has a quote in the book, and she says, our whole team was based on servant leadership. And what I love about that is Carla was the first one. She was our captain, and everyone respected she'd be the first one to pick up the balls or pick up the cones or, you know, do the hard work when in, in hindsight, when you look at anything that some of those players would just walk by it. And we genuinely cared about each other and genuinely wanted to make each other bet better. So we served each other to help that happen. And I think leadership role from top all the way down um, was just so important in that time frame. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the servant leadership piece and going ahead and doing some of the grunt work, the not so glamorous stuff, picking up the cones and balls and such. And so could you share, you know, what are a couple of other things that come to mind that make that leadership incredible? Well, I think, you know, when I stepped on the field with these uh, these women, um, we all were sim- similar mentality, had the same, you know, our same goal set. Um, we wanted to be the best in the world. Um, but obviously there were times when you weren't at your top and you're struggling and, or you're, you know, technically you're not on and your head goes down. And the greatest example I can share with you about Carla and how, how well she led us and how balanced she was with how she spoke to us was if your head was down, she wasn't like yelling at you, get it, let's go. She would be like, Christine, Lily, we need you. 
and immediately like, all right, they need me. Even if I'm crappy right now, they need me. And then on the other side is when you're doing well and you're tearing it up, Carla would be the first one like, well, that's the way to go. So you have a leader that knew how to help each individual player out there and get the best out of them at the highest moment and at the lowest moment. And I think that's uh, why Carla was so amazing in that sense. And Julie Fadi was our other captain and she balanced that out with humor and passion. And so you have two people that leading leading us in different ways, but getting the best out of us at the same time. Can you give us some examples of the humor and passion that really made an impact <laughs> for you in the leadership realm? Yeah. Well, Jules, um, Jules was our vocal leader. She was always, she always wanted the ball. So she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And half the time she had two players, three players on her like, Jules, I'm not giving you the ball. So that would make you laugh a lot. Um, but there was one play in the, um, in the world cup in the 99 world cup when we won where I headed the ball off the line, which we talk about in the book. And after the play happened, um, I'm running out of our penalty box. We just cleared it and I'm running next to Jules and we look at each other and she's like laughing and we're both thinking our heads that that really just happened. And we were just laughing at that moment. And I'm like, holy cow, we're in the world cup final overtime. We almost lost the game and we find a moment where we can laugh. And that's what was uh, so great with Jules is she, the humor was always there to remind us that, you know, this isn't life or death. This is a soccer game. We've got to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I really like that notion of your feeling lame and underperforming to hear your name and we need you as opposed to any number of other things you could yell out like, come on, get it together. What's wrong with you? I mean, you can, exactly. Dozens to choose from, but uh, I cannot think of a, something that would be more kind of uplifting in terms of getting a quick refocus than hearing your name and we need you. Yeah, it was pretty powerful, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I dig that. And Pete, I know that you come from the business world like I do. And how many times has someone come up beside you in the business world and said, hey, Pete, we need you. You know, it just doesn't happen as much, even though, you know, I can point to the times in my career where it has because they're few and far between. But they mean so much to me when someone comes along and picks me up in the corporate setting. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And you feel valued in that midst. And I think it's often true. You're right. Rather than saying that, you know, we're just kind of ticked off (laughs) that someone's not doing what they're supposed to do. And you, instead of thinking, oh, we need you, it's, uh, well, hey, who else could I shift this to who's not going to uh, let me down and make me angry? Mm. Exactly. That, that memory of teamwork where you had the social love for it that really impacted you. Mm hmm. And I'd love it. So as you teach this stuff and you're sharing the good word and helping teams to perform all the better, you know, what are some particular mistakes, some things that people struggle with when they're trying to put it into practice? Well, I think if you look at teams, uh, sports teams, business um, is they talk about it and talk about it and they tend not to put into action. Mm. So if, if there's a way that you are supposed to handle conflict and your your leadership kind of just brushes it on the rug and and talks about like, oh, everything's transparent and the brushes on the rug, you lose respect and you lose trust immediately. So I think yeah. being consistent um, with what your ideas are, your your values are, what your you know rules per se rules are um, and staying true to them. And I think that's uh, any kind of team, a business, any organization, your family um, as well, um, letting know what all the, you know, the rules of the house are or guidelines that we all go through. Um, but I think really putting everything into practice is really where I think 
people falter. I think on the sports field, definitely, I, I feel that we just don't execute each each thing we have set out to do. But I think in the business world, that could be one of the parts that um, people just struggle with. They do a lot of talk, but they don't put into action. Mm-hmm. And I think, Pete, one of the reasons that it's not going into action is that people, most people, if you talk to them and say, hey, I'm a good team member, it's that other person that's not a good team member. And we don't realize our own blind spots or we're not self-aware or we're not team aware. And so I think it really requires that trust and that openness and communication to say, hey, I need to acknowledge where I'm a strong team member and I need to acknowledge where I'm not so that I can work on that. Because no one on the team thinks that they are not an effective team member. So they might think that they are, but it's being team aware of how you fit into the team and how you could better impact the team in a positive way and being acknowledged and work on the areas where you might be pulling the team down. Mm, excellent. Thank you. Well, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. The one last thing I would just highlight here is that Christine mentioned that her number was 13 and there's 13 chapters. And she talked about the four pillars, transform, empower, achieve and motivate. You know, when we are structuring the book, it's not that there's one that's more important than the other. All 13 really are critical. And so you have the four pillars and, of course, the foundation that she talked about earlier doing what is right. That's a foundation for the other 12 chapters. So each one is critical and you can't really ignore one and highlight the other with, because then you're going to have a gap on your team. Mm -hmm. And I think what I add to the process of this, writing this book with John, when we were, you know, figuring out all the chapters and who to talk to. And obviously I was thinking of my teammates and um, once we figured out where we wanted to go with the the people, once I started to reach out to them, they all were like, sure, when do you, when do you need me? And it just reiterated why this book is so, so important because immediately I asked all these women that are super busy in their lives and they immediately were making time to do the interview to share their insight on uh, the success of the U.S. Women's National Team and just made it more prevalent how how great that team was and how great the team continues to be because they do for others. And I thought that was pretty cool. If you'd like some help becoming the best you, you can be for yourself, family, and teammates, check out our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides online counseling to help you be happier and more successful. You can conveniently connect with one of over 3,000 licensed professional counselors in a safe and private online environment on your own time, at your own pace, from anywhere in the world, from almost any device. They got secure video, phone, chat, and text options handy. You could start in under 24 hours and BetterHelp is offering How to Be Awesome at Your Job listeners 10% off your first month with the discount code AWESOME. That's betterhelp.com slash awesome. From there, you simply fill out a questionnaire to get matched with the counselor you jive with and you're good to go. That's betterhelp.com slash awesome. Quick note, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Well, now, could you share with me a favorite quote? And if one of you has one and the other one doesn't, that's totally fine for each of these fast faves. But yeah, you know, what's something you find inspiring? A favorite quote of mine just in general? Yep. I think one of the quotes that I always resort back to is Emerson quote, uh, what lies before us and what lies after us are small compared to what lies within us. And I think if you, when I look at my career and being part of a team, there's always so much more you can give uh, from yourself. Um, I mean, if you look at the sports world, you, you spend your time like, oh, I can't run anymore. I can't do it. But 
you can. And um, there's always something more we can give um, to others, um, to ourselves, to to be better. And uh, that quote always resonates with me uh, in life. And when I, I choose to do something and I'm feeling a real run down or a bit tired, I'm like, no, I can do more. And that's always for the bigger picture is for others. It's for your team. Um, it's for you to be better. Mm-hmm. I love Christine's deep quote. I was just going to highlight that at the beginning of each chapter, we take a quote from one of those players that Christine just mentioned and put it at the beginning of the chapter. But at the introduction, the quote that we lead off with is wearing the same jersey does not make a team. And I think so many times in the business world, we say, hey, this group of people, they're a team because they all work for company X or they're all in department X or whatever reason we say you're a team. But yet, quite frankly, they have the same name across their jersey, the department or the company, but yet they don't operate as a team. And so we really, even though we put the team moniker on lots of groups of individuals, it's really a team and name only. They're not collaborating. They're not building trust. They're not having open communication. They don't have clear roles and responsibilities. And so we really need to, the the word team, that moniker is thrown around quite a bit when actually groups of individuals aren't working together effectively as a team. So I love that quote, wearing the same jersey does not make a team. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Christine, are you letting me take this one? No, I'm letting you take this one, John. Because <laughs> you, you just busted on my sweet uh, quote, my deep thoughts with Christine Lilly here. <laughs> I love the deep thoughts of Christine I'm just Lilly. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, Pete, one of the great themes here is uh, the team that wrote this book. So you have Christine at the beginning of her chapter sharing these wonderful soccer stories. And you have Dr. Lynette Gillis that did a lot of the academic research that um, plays into the book so that it's evidence-based. And then um, I provided the management consulting experiences with numerous companies across all sorts of different industries. And their research is really throughout. But the one that um, I'm going to highlight for you on that question, uh, because we did every chapter, there's research, but yet the one I think uh, that people might not think about as much is the network centrality. And really saying that when you look at your team, you need to figure out where the central point is. And for a lot of teams, that might be the leader. And Christine talked earlier about Julie Foudy and Carla Overbeck. But on some teams, it's not necessarily the person at the top. That central part of the team could be the person where people go to for information, for guidance, for direction, for know-how, for knowledge for historical comparisons, that they are the the central part that the team members go to in order to get work done effectively. And understanding who has influence on the team, especially if it's not the formal leader, but yet that informal leader, I think that's a critical aha moment uh, that the research provided in this book to say, when you look at your team, don't just look at the leaders, but look at the informal leaders those that are central that have influence among your team members. Mm, Excellent. Thank you. Now, how about a favorite book? Well, I can tell you when we were writing this, there are several authors that came to mind that we really admire and wanted to model after. And those, you know, Sheryl Sandberg with her book, Lean In and um, Option B. And of course, her co-author there, Adam Grant, that also wrote Give and Take. You look at Malcolm Gladwell and his evidence-based approach to looking at psychology 
and workplace culture. Um, and so, you know, a lot of those um, writers and authors are the ones that we really looked at and tried to model some of this writing author. Um, obviously, that's a high standard, but we wanted uh, to, to give that evidence-based approach uh, similar to Jim Collins and Good to Great and give people a book that they could go to their business teams and their organizational teams and say, wow, this is not only entertaining, but I learned a lot and can apply to my business. And all those authors I just mentioned, I feel like when I read their books, that's what I feel. That, hey, it was entertaining, and I know that I can go and apply this immediately. I can pick up the book at the airport, read it on the airplane, and when I get to the work site, I can immediately apply it because it was not only entertaining, it was immediately practical and applicable. Okay, and how about a favorite tool, something that helps you be awesome at your job? I think for me, I mean, when I look at, I mean, obviously my career playing, my my tools were my feet to keep me going on the field. But I think now, you know, I'm, I'm we have a company with me, Ham and Tish Venturini called Team First Soccer Academy. Um, we travel travel around uh, the country teaching kids about the game, but also about the passion and love that we shared for it and how to be a good teammate and obviously how to work together as a team. Um, and I think for me, my tool is just the communication for me um, within my co-founders, also friends, and then the staff we bring along with us to uh, be able to communicate with them um, to get the best they out, best of them for the day on the field with the kids or whatever it may be. Um, and to make sure there's uh, fun involved because the reason why we played sports or play sports is because it is fun. So when you get into the, the world where now you're, you're trying to make money and, and run a business. And I think there still needs an element of enjoying what you do. And I think if I look back at my coaches that I had on the national team from Anson Dorrance, the first coach of the, uh, one of the first coaches of the U.S. team, and then Tony Chico took after him, um, who passed away uh, just about almost two years ago now. Um, he used to come to the field. Tony would come out to the field, and he used to stand in the middle field, put his hands up in the air, and he would just say, I love my job. And we'd be like, yeah, yeah, Tony, we know. We know you love your job. But it kind of it stayed with it with me and a, a lot of uh, the players. That would One thing we remembered that Tony um, was him saying that, but the fact was he really did love his job and we could tell he loved his job because how we, how he taught us, how he communicated with us, how he was passionate about everything um, from the field stuff to caring about us. And I think that's pretty uh, powerful thing when you love something. And if you can be passionate and spread that love and be contagious, um, that's a great tool to have in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And how about a favorite habit? John, do you got any ha- favorite habits? I'm trying, I, I had a whole routine for my game. <laughs> and these uh, <laughs> habits are fantastic. And I think the habit is knowing where your strengths are and where someone else's strengths are so that you can leverage your strengths for effective teamwork. In this case, I was more the cheerleader for the girls and uh, the email guy to organize the parents, knowing that the uh, Christine and her coaching would give them all the soccer tactics that any five, six, seven, year old girl would need to know at that level. So uh, the habit for me for effective teamwork is knowing your strengths and capitalizing those, but also recognizing where your team member has more strengths than you so that effectively the team as a whole is stronger. Mm -hmm. And is there a particular nugget that you share in the book that really seems to connect and resonate with audiences that you hear it quoted back to you frequently? 
Well, I don't know if there's just one uh, nugget. I think for myself, when I, you know, worked on this with John and read it over again, I think obviously the one thing that comes over and over in our minds is the word team. And I know that's what it's about. But if even even with our four pillars, you know, transform and empower, achieve and motivate are all from, you know, the word team. And what I've learned throughout my career and really pretty much in life and everything, you can't do anything alone. So you you need people and people need people, but people also want people. People want to be a part of a team. They want to be a part of a group and feel like they're valued. And I think the team concept is so powerful that um, individually you just can't, you just can't necessarily do all that you want sometimes. And I think the team is great. So I would say team, <laughs> the word team is pretty much used a lot in this book and one that resonates with everybody and, and really resonates with me because I was part of such a wonderful team. Awesome. Great. Thank you. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? For me, you can go to christinelily13.com to uh, reach out to me. Also go to Amazon to pre-order the book, which uh, will come out May 7th, but is available pre-order now. Um, and John can share his contact info. JohnGillisJr.com. And uh, we, uh, Christine's speaking. We have training workshops and just uh, thrilled for everyone to join this powerhouse journey with us. Mm-hmm. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? You know, I think first off, recognizing uh, what you're a part of your organization and what you're trying to accomplish as a as a team is the first step. And I think once you have that, you, you can embrace your your teammates and find the strength within each other and the and the familiarities and the common mindset. Then you can do great things. Because I think back to why the teams were successful when we did win championships. And it was just a, you know, it was a group of women coming together that were like-minded, strong, competitive, feisty, um, wanted to tear people apart <laughs> on their way to success. Um, but in the same sense, doing it together, you know, working your role and figuring out what, what you need to do to help the, the whole unit be successful. And when that happens, it's just, you're in the zone and it goes back to the, the sports lingo and, People are in the zone. They're, they don't hear anything. They're, they're confident and they're going to make whatever shot they're going to do right now happen. Mm-hmm. And I would say for my charge, you know, we can all reflect back on our careers and know the successful teams that we were on and then the groups of individuals that were teams in name only. And yet when we were naming this book, you know, we didn't have Powerhouse when we started writing the book. But then someone said, you need to name this book Powerhouse. Because the definition is a team having great energy, strength, and potential for success. And when you look back and say in your career, where was the powerhouse that I was on, the team with energy, strength, and potential for success, and what can I do in today's team to help us be a powerhouse? Mm-hmm. Well, Christine, John, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for sharing the good word. I wish you much luck with your coaching and teaching and book and, and all the fun you're up to. Thank you, Pete, for having us. We appreciate it. We really do. Thanks for it. It's awesome. I enjoyed Christine's take on how when things weren't going so well in a game, they tend to be pretty quiet on the field in terms of less communication with each other and how simple it is to say someone's name and we need you as a quick, positive, inspirational pick-me-up as opposed to, hey, what's wrong with you? Get it together. You suck. Where's your head at? You know, it's like, oh, yes, thank you. I am needed. And that's a reminder, and I feel valued, and what a better way to correct. So I thought that was a pretty cool 
takeaway from a champion athlete. Hope you dug that and more. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP435. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. If you do, you'll catch our next guest. We are talking to Dr. Joseph Regal. He is a fascinating gentleman who has a professor and he has a new book about hacking life and its pros and its cons. Hope to catch you there and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.